Welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, the superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District, and which this show is all dedicated to our 30,000 students and their futures. And we've been blessed to have a very wide spectrum of experts and, and guests and speakers and uh, national level folks uh, to talk about uh, jobs, careers, and the future, and the whole K-12, K-16 alignment. We're very blessed to have uh, a national uh, leader in transforming schools, Matt Coleman. Matt Coleman, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's great. It's great to be here. I appreciate having the opportunity. Yeah. So, Matt, you've had a long career as an educator, and now you are in. Uh, you're a consultant for a group called Inflection, which you founded. Uh, could you give us a little bit of a backstory, though, of your life as an educator and, and kind of what your what drives you, Matt? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go way, way back. Uh, grew up in a small town in Oregon uh, along the Columbia River and about 10,000 people and went to a small high school. And, and, and in my time there, really, um, really had a, had a great many opportunities that are afforded kids in small towns. Um, but, but one that, that, that wasn't necessarily afforded kids in small towns was just a real understanding of the, of the, of the world. And so, uh, and the world outside of that small town. So I, I left there, went to the university of Oregon, uh, and did my undergrad at the U of O and actually got into teach for America and was placed in, uh, the Oakland public schools in Oakland, California, uh, and got my, start in education as a teacher in Oakland. Uh, and then fast forward, you know, what, did, what subject did you teach, man? Uh, science. I was a physical science teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Basically physics and chemistry. Um, and so from there, I uh, moved back up to Oregon and relatively early in my career, got into administ school administration. Um, and was an assistant principal at the high school level, principal at the middle school level, principal at the, at the high school level, and then was a secondary director and finished as an assistant superintendent uh, before coming to Inflection um, about seven years ago now. And uh, I came to Inflection um, in part because of where I grew up. Um, and, and what I mean by that is just the 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 most of the the, the my caught my classmates and, and my friends from, from growing up and from high school. Um, I've really struggled, actually, because as the world changes and as the, the, the changing nature of specifically the world of work has accelerated over the last 15 to 20 years, it's left a lot of folks that were in my generation from small towns um, who did not necessarily weren't open to kind of the world in some different ways. It, it's kind of left left them behind. Um, and so, you know, when I think about my work now uh, at Inflection you know, the, the great work that you all are doing in Anaheim with a future forward lens on, 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 on where the world of work is going and how education needs to evolve. Um, I, I go back to my friends who, you know, spent 15 years at Martin Marietta Aluminum and had, it, had that industry just disappear. And, and, and they, they weren't in a position to adapt and flex and, and go with the flow in, in terms of the changing nature of work. And so I've, all that. I mean, my early on experience and then my experience in, in large urban settings, uh, coupled with my, my my growing up in small, rural, remote, um, 
kind of bring me to this place of we got to really rethink schools with an eye towards the future, an eye towards, you know, where my daughter, who's 15, will be mid to late career, which is in like 2056, I think, which is crazy to think about. Wow. So you also have a relationship with uh, David Conley, who's a sort of a leader in this shift into looking from uh, look, 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 looking at what are the metrics of career readiness. So could you share a little bit about your relationship with, with David and who, who's, who's been an advisor to the California State Board of Education? Yeah, no, Dave, Dave uh, was a when I got my doctorate, I was a faculty member. And so I first met Dave at that point in time. And, and Inflection used to be the Educational Policy Improvement Center, which David Conley founded. Um, the actual Inflection and Epic as, and, and Epic spans 20 years now. And, and Dave founded uh, Epic, the Educational Policy Improvement Center, to really focus on policy innovation in the college career readiness space. And my draw to, to, to his work uh, was as an undergrad, actually when I was a vice principal at the high school level, and his, his relentless focus on this idea of a holistic vision for readiness, the, this mindset in, in today's terms that, that a cut score on smarter balance than a transcript full of AP and IB scores really don't tell the full story in terms of student readiness, that, that and the, the way that, that Dave frames that the shorthand version is think, know, act, and go, that the ability to think, the ability to act or to own your own learning, and the ability to go, having a clear sense of who you are individually in the context of the ever-changing world around you, including the impact you're having on the world, um, that's the go part, that ultimately those are as, and we would argue, and the literature bears this out, um, the evidence would suggest it's more important than the traditional skills and that cut score on Smarter Balanced or that transcript full of, of, of courses that, that suggest that you have the content knowledge you need to be successful. And we're not saying that those things aren't important, not saying that reading, writing, math are not important, it's not saying that at all, just saying in the context of, of being ready for the, the world and really the world that continues to evolve, especially from a career work perspective, that think, act, and go is where it's at. And so been connected today for a long time now and yeah. To have him ask me to, to come to Epic about seven years ago uh, and take over for him as he uh, pseudo retired. He's never fully going to ever retire, but pseudo retired. And uh, and it we've evolved it to and we renamed it Inflection because we shift from policy work to school based work. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because uh, what drew me to you guys was his work um, and his book and. He's written, co-authored uh, pieces around uh, career readiness uh, with a uh, colleague from Stanford, Linda Darling-Hammond, who is now head of the State Board of Education. So that uh, we as a district uh, were, were drawn to his work, and that led us to building a relationship with you um, and now going forward with inflection, um, you know, the, these concepts of owning your education, students owning it, students developing their own per, a voice and purpose, um, leading to a, a meaningful career. I think that's something that uh, really we, we have in common in terms of what we're trying to transform education to. And a lot of that is grounded in this sense of school identity, school vision, 
um, aligned to individual identity and vision. Could you talk a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. Yeah, And this was what you're getting at. We we call the two anchors and I always got to use my hands when I show this, but it's the two anchors and you've got, um, the the one the one anchor that's critical is, is well they're both critical but the one anchor is a, a shared vision for readiness and the the five C's in in Anaheim are a phenomenal example that when you talk about a vision for readiness it needs to be holistic and we need to identify not the soft skills and and I, I when anybody says soft I stop them I say quit saying that these are the trending skills these are actually academic skills the ability to to communicate and collaborate and and, and the, the emphasis on creativity and the ability to, to think critically and what I love with what you, you guys do, the, the, the fifth C in, in terms of uh, care and, and, and um, uh, character, character and care. I always get that right. Character and compassion. Thank you. Character and compassion. I care is compassion, but character and compassion. Right. I just, that is when we, when we talk about an anchor of a holistic vision for readiness, that is what it is. Now, when you think about secondary schools and, and you, if, if you, both most people listening uh, or watching this have, have either lived in secondary schools or are working in secondary schools, um, the secondary schools were set up really against outcomes that were connected to content knowledge and skills. Um, and specifically at the high school level, uh, you know, even the ability to read and, and, and write and do math were never really they, they they weren't necessarily saw as as the collective responsible as being responsible for. They were they were seen as the math department or the English department or or whatnot. Um, and so when you when you think about this idea of a holistic vision for readiness, that is kind of a foreign concept in terms of the purpose of schools is to develop the whole child and specifically high schools and, and middle schools or junior highs. Um, and so part of our work in, in trying to support the system to think differently is that we've got at the, at the individual site level, we need to get people dialing in and, and focused on and working collectively towards uh, a shared vision for us that is holistic. The other piece, the other, the other what we call anchor the two, of the two anchors, the first is a shared vision for readiness. The other is, is organizational identity. Uh, and this comes from the from organizational theory. If you're familiar at all with Peter Senge and and some of the, the, the Margaret Wheatley, some of these the classic organizational theorists, this idea that that as a as an organization, and, and, and our work is with schools as a school or as a district, um, you've got to have clarity of what your values and your beliefs are, and what your mental models are. And from a again from a secondary perspective, secondary schools. Um, and we've seen this in the couple hundred that we've been engaging with and, and, and looking at over the last couple of years. Um, they really struggle with this because the original identity, the, the, the values and the beliefs and, and, and the mental models of 20th century schools are still pervasive in the 21st century. And, and I'll just give you one little example. Um, this idea of the power of the collective, you have to believe in the power of the collective. In other words, uh, we are working together. And what I see in, in way too many schools is I'll go to, I'll go, to, go walking down the hallway and, and pop into five or six different classrooms. And even when I see phenomenal teaching happening across all five or six classrooms, the only thing that really connects those classrooms for kids are the hallways. It's not something like the five C's. Uh-huh. 
you know, and then that's the power in having a, a, a shared vision for readiness, which is the type of mental model that it like the five C's. If I'm walking down the halls of Anaheim High School, where my dad graduated in 1958, um, if I'm walking down those hallways today, what, what I'm confident I would see is I'd, I'd go from classroom to classroom and I'd see um, compassion being being modeled. I'd see it being being developed explicitly. I would see creativity being honored and, and the space for that. I would see the five C's that would connect the classrooms. For me, who's just a passive observer, an active observer, but more importantly for the kids who are going from classroom to classroom to classroom, that's built on this mindset of the power of the collective. And that's what we look for in schools. Part of the way you get at it is you set that anchor. You, you set the five C's as this foundational piece. And this is what we're all working towards. Therefore, we should see it every period, every day. And that's the, that's the work that we as an organization do is we're trying to help schools set those two anchors. Uh, get really clear and then start working to align their practices um, so that that ultimately kids are prepared for the 21st century in a way that is very different from what it, what it was in the 20th century. Now, you work with literally hundreds of schools across states, even countries now, mm -hmm. and trying to sort of, uh, yes, help you know, set those two anchors in these institutions. And I guess my, my big question is, you know, you know, you're trying to get this collective uh, capacity moving the power of the collective. Um, I think the big, you know, gorilla in the room is the um, much of American uh, vision has been set by this, the traditional metrics, and that becomes the culture of one of those anchors, right? It's not holistic. Everybody, they, they right. might say it's holistic, but it's really not. Because when you go into the schools, they're spending their time on improving the traditional test scores. How do you, how do we overcome that? Yeah. Uh, one, we got to be bold <laughs> and we need more districts like Anaheim. And, and I could throw uh, some other examples out there, Merced. Union High School District, um, Vista Unified down in, in North San Diego County. I mean, there are there are there are leaders in their districts and their their teacher leaders that are are moving out and saying these things are important. Um, I, I do actually think the pandemic kind of shone a light on mm -hmm. some of these things, and I think we need to dare I say use this. You know, was was certainly a crisis that that touched everybody. No, no one has been immune to the impact of, of the pandemic, obviously, and, and unfortunately in terms of health and well-being, but also just in the, in, in the sense of, of, the, of schools and kind of the holes that are there. And I'll give you one little example. Um, a lot of kids, the high school level specifically, and in the, in the failed and, and, and or did not earn credit when pushed into distance learning, especially initially as there were some, you know, schools did some nice work, um, they got some things figured out. It's been fascinating to watch people wrestle with the why behind that. And, you know, we've been working with about 40 plus schools this last year that were all as they were going through it. And as we processed uh, individually and, and in smaller groups uh, with schools we were working with, one of the, the things that, that kept rising to the surface was kids don't know how to own their own learning. We, we don't actually systematically develop that. And so when pushed into an environment where they actually had to own the bulk of their learning. And they were the ones that got to choose whether they, they turn the, 
turn, turn their screen on or even open their computer. I mean, it's, the, the whole shift of ownership immediately went to the kids and our kids weren't prepared for it. And we know this from the literature around around why kids don't aren't successful post-secondary uh, in, in universities is this inability or this lack of ability to to own their own learning to, to self-manage. Well, that that quite that resulted in a bunch of kids, a significant three, four times in all kinds of schools, all kinds, demographically, geographically, everybody saw this huge spike. Well, the root cause of that huge spike is kids, we, we don't develop, we don't have an outcome as part of our accountability framework that's around self-management, that's around helping kids develop the skills to own their own learning. Matt, do you think that teachers own their own teaching? Um, I, Actually, I, I mean, I do. Um, so in, order, in order to get there, right? Don't the teachers yeah. have to own it too? They, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there has to be a level of, of flexibility and autonomy given. At the same time, um, we have to be careful because I would argue, and this is another kind of a little hashtag that we use, this idea that, um, that we have independent contractors working independently. So there's almost too much, when I say too much ownership, there's too much in terms of, well, I, I teach physics and, and, and therefore Newtonian mechanics is the end all be all. And as long as I teach the content well, I'm all good. Um, one could argue that's a form of ownership um, in terms of, I, you know, I get to define, you know. And that's why the trending skills are so important. Absolutely. But that's that's the ownership right there for, for the teachers. If they own that, they can then build lessons in which students can truly own their learning. Absolutely. And what. What we would argue, you know, when I talk about these two anchors, uh, if you think of the best organizations you've ever been a part of or the best organizations you've ever heard of uh, or, or know of, um, they, what makes them the best is there's a shared identity. There's shared values and beliefs and mental models that's shared across the organization. And there's a shared purpose or in, in, in schools, a shared vision for readiness. These two things are so important because when you bring teachers in, you want them to, to want to be part of the collective. They, they need to see themselves in it. Um, I joke about this, um, having, I'm a preacher's kid, having grown up in, in a church. And there's, if somebody moves new to a community and, and, and they are quote unquote Christian, then they don't look in the phone book and, and identify the first Christian church that they see. And they say, oh, that's where I'm going to go to church. They actually will take six, seven, eight months and they'll visit different churches and they're looking for the right fit. They're looking for the values and the beliefs and, and, the, and, and, and the, the purpose of the church. And, and when the culture, they're, right? they're looking for that culture. Exactly. And that's a piece that, that we're trying to help schools create and develop so that we can realize the power of the collective. So to your point. You know, the ownership piece that, that, that uh, I do believe teachers own their own their, their own learning and their own teaching in, in, in that sense. But we actually want teachers and we want to support schools where teachers recognize that their individual contribution is towards a collective um, with something like the five C's has been a, a great example. So, you know, um, in the moments we have left, I, I want to uh, spend a little time picking your brain as to what's next. What do you see the future of, where's education going, especially higher education with Google coming in, some of these big folks uh, creating their own uh, 
certificates and things like that. What do you think is going to happen in the next five to 10 years with, with education? Oh, I, with higher education, and I, and I think this idea of, of, of learners, um, learning, post-secondary learning, um, not confined to what we traditionally have thought. I, I think there's going to be all kinds of evolution. We already see it in industry. Um, and what I mean in, in your example with, with, with Google is, is, a, is a great example and, and the different huge companies are, are doing some different things. But, but so are um, community colleges. You know, I mean, it's just it's, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we have programmers. We, have, we do a lot of work with the college board um, around AP and, and we literally have a, a team of programmers. Uh, when we go out to, to to hire, when we've got a new new position, we're asking for some explicit skills, and then we're hiring to our values and our beliefs. We want somebody who's adaptable and, and flexible and can collaborate and communicate. So we you know we we identify these skills now in the future, or I mean the future is now. I mean now, but certainly in the future, um, kids and and, and adults and, and whatnot can go and develop a set of very explicit skills which is going to open opportunities in terms of different industries. And it's not going to require you to go get a four-year degree or, 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 you know, some of that, again, kind of more of that 20th century thinking. Why? I, so the skill acquisition, the learning, the technical aspects, I think are going to become more and more and more accessible, both for entry-level positions, but then career advancement that aren't necessarily going to require the traditional way that we've thought about higher education. And that's just that's a that's definitely my take uh, uh, for what it's worth. What becomes important from a K twelve perspective is that what what isn't happening in those settings is kids and young adults and, and adults are not learning. They're getting the technical, the trending skills of being flexible and adaptive, and able to communicate and able to collaborate. All of those trending skills need to be developed. In the post, excuse me, in the secondary space, in the K twelve space, and and we have to rise that occasion. Uh, there's so much that that there's so much happening with automation that most entry level jobs across all areas of of, of career um, and industry are are being automated. And a lot of the entry level jobs is where if you didn't get if you didn't develop the ability to communicate, collaborate, and all those things. That's where you learn to do it. And if you learn to do it there, you were able to advance. Those jobs are going away. They're being automated. So all of this points to what needs to be a revolution in K-12, where specifically we are, are elevating um, the development of the trending skills. Uh, that needs to be the priority. And uh, that's my hope is, you know, that we in, in partnership with people like like you and, and, and Anaheim and, and, and others can kind of help push that both from a practical standpoint, kind of what's happening in schools today, uh, but then also from a policy standpoint, uh, specifically around building accountability systems that that make a heck of a lot more sense for what we know kids need to be successful in life. But this is kind of my final question, but the accountability piece, isn't that the hard part with uh, in, in terms of these trending skills, right? They're 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 difficult to measure, and, and yeah. um, we're, you know we're we're struggling with that as well. Um, which what what, would you, what advice do you give to districts like us that are trying to make that that transition? Yeah, I think I, they are difficult, and I and my doctorate actually is in measurement design, so I I, I understand the some of the, the the challenges maybe a little bit more deeply than than most in this space. 
What's not difficult to measure is whether or not the system is actually providing the opportunities for kids to develop those mm-hmm. skills. So I mentioned this you know, earlier in our, in our talk here that, that I could be you know, going down the hallways, pop into five or six different classrooms at Anaheim High School, and I, I actually know what to look for. Um, now, I know what to look for because you all created it, right, in terms of you've got some look for tools around you know, looking for communication being developed, looking for collaboration. I can actually go in and measure that. And in, in the sense of, of, of the five or six classrooms, I saw ex, you know, this teacher providing this opportunity in this kind of way for students. It, here's what's great. You, you teach your kids up on what, what are, are the, the five C's? Ask them <laughs> in the last two weeks, how often have you had an opportunity to X, Y, or Z? Uh, there's, there's different ways to measure whether the system is, is, is demonstrating responsibility, is actually doing what it takes for kids to develop, have the opportunities to develop these skills. They're very hard for a variety of reasons. They're very hard to measure at the individual student level, but they are not hard to measure. And you can elevate student voice in this process. You, they're not hard to measure in terms of whether or not those opportunities to develop uh, those skills are there. And we would advocate hard that we need to shift accountability off the shoulders of kids as it's been, Right. It's really kind of fallen on kids and onto the shoulder of the shoulders of the system uh, using ideas of measures of systemic responsibility. Well, I can tell already we're going to have to have a part two of our future talk here. Uh, Matt, on behalf of our 30,000 students and uh, their families, uh, we're proud to be a partner with Matt Coleman and Inflection. So thank you for your time, Matt. Oh, thank you, Mike. And we, we appreciate you, your, your district, your community, uh, most importantly, your students. So thank you.